And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today's July the 12th, 193rd day of the year. 172 days remain till the year's over with. And let's see what we've got in the way of holidays and observances. Amazon Prime Day. And there's some good deals there, let me tell you. National Simplicity Day. Battle of the Blind Day. Uh, Etch-A-Sketch Day. Kiribati National Day. It's uh, recognizing the independence of an island nation. Malala Day. Uh, Mexico Lawyers Day. National Different Colored Eyes Day. National Eat Your Jello Day. National Hair Creators Day. National Pecan Pie Day. Now, if you want to throw chocolate pie in there, you got my attention. National Tyler Day. New Conversations Day. Night of Nights. That carries on the tradition of maritime uh, Morse communication. Uh, Orangeman's Day. It's also known as the 12th of Glorious 12th. Uh, Paper Bag Day. All right. Uh, Let's see. 70 AD, the armies of Titus attacked the walls of Jerusalem after a six-month siege. Three days later, they breached the walls, which enables the army to destroy the second temple. And that's when the Ark of the Covenant vanished. Now, in 27, King Constantine II of Scotland, King Hyodada of Dehabarth, Eldred of Bamberg, and King Owen of the Cumbrians accepted the overlordship of King Ethelstan of England leading to seven years of peace in the north. 1191, Third Crusade, Salvador's garrison surrenders to Philip Augustus in the two-year siege of Acre. 1470, the Ottomans capture Euboea. 1488, Joseon Dynasty official Cho Bu returned to Korea after months of shipwreck travel in China. 1493, Hartmann Shadow's Nuremberg Chronicle, one of the best documented early printed books, is published. 1527, Li Chung-hung ceded the throne to Macdang-dung, ending the Li Dynasty and starting the Mac Dynasty. 1540, uh, 1543, King Henry VIII of England marries his sixth and last wife, Catherine Parr, at Hampton Court Palace. I mean, I can see one, I can see two, I can even see three, but six, oh please. Yes, someone once said to me, date him, you don't have to marry him. 1562, Fray Diego de Landa, acting bishop of Yucatan, burns the sacred idols and books of the Maya. So much for religious tolerance. Uh, 1576, Mughal Empire annexes Bengal after defeating the Bengal Sultanate at the Battle of Rajmahal. 1580, the Ostrog Bible, one of the early printed Bibles in a Slavic language, is published. 1691, Battle of Ogram, the decisive victory William III of England's forces in Ireland. 1776, Captain James Cook begins his third voyage. 1789, response to the dismissal of the French finance minister Jacques Necker, the radical journalist Camilla Desmoulins gives a speech which results in the storming of the Bastille two days later. That's known as inciting a riot, don't you know? 
1790, the civil constitution of the clergy is passed in France by the National Constituent Assembly. 1799, Rajat Singh conquers Lahore and becomes Maharaja of the Punjab, Sikh Empire. 1801, British ships inflict heavy damage on Spanish and French ships at the Second Battle of Algeciras. 1806, at the insistence of Napoleon, Bavaria, Baden, Württemberg, and 13 minor principalities leave the Holy Roman Empire and form the Confederation of the Rhine. Alrighty. The uh, 1812 American Army of the Northwest briefly occupies the upper Canadian settlement at what's now Windsor, Ontario. 1862, the Medal of Honor is authorized by the United States Congress. 1913, Serbian forces begin their siege of the Bulgarian city of Baden. Siege is later called off on the war ends. 1913, Second Revolution breaks out against the Dayan government as the Li Luhun proclaims uh, Jiangxi independent from the Republic of China. 1917, Bisbee deportation occurs as vigilantes kidnap and deport nearly 1,300 striking miners and others from Bisbee, Arizona. 1918, the Imperial Japanese Navy battleship Kawachi blows up at Shunan, western Honshu in Japan, kills at least 621. 1920, Soviet-Lithuanian peace treaty signed by which Soviet Russia recognizes the independence of Lithuania. 1943, German and Soviet forces engage in the Battle of Prokhorovka, one of the largest armored engagements of all time. 1948, Israeli Prime Minister David Ben-Gurion orders the expulsion of Palestinians from the towns of Lod and Ramla. 1960, Oryonok, the main young pioneer camp of the Russian SFSR is founded. 1961, Indian city Pune floods uh, due to failure of the Kadakwasla and the Pashat dams, killing at least 2,000 people. In 1961, CSA Flight 511 crashes at the Casablanca Anfa Airport in uh, Morocco. 72 are killed. 1962, the Rolling Stones performed for the first time at London's Marquet Club. 1963, Pauline Reed, 16, disappears in Groton, England, the first victim in the Moors murders. For those not familiar with it, the Moors murders were carried out by Ian Brady and Myra Henley between July 63 and October 65. They were, they were done in or around uh, Manchester, England. The victims were five children, Pauline Reed, John Kilbride, Keith Bennett, Leslie Ann Downey, and Edward Evans. They were all between 10 and 17 years old. Four were sexually assaulted. Bodies of two of the victims were discovered in 1965 in graves dug on Saddleworth Moor. Third grave was discovered in that same area in 1987. More than 20 years after Brady and Henley's trial, Bennett's body is also thought to be buried there, but um, they haven't been able to find it yet. The uh, Ian Brady of the... Uh, the pair um, is still uh, living. Myra Henley died uh, November 15, 2002. Now, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Brady is dead. He died in 2017. That's what life imprisonment does. They take care of you. You have a better life than you would have had ordinarily. All righty. The best medical care. 
I find it interesting that if you're sentenced to die and you're ill, they have to get you better before they can execute you. Alrighty, 1967 riots begin in Newark, New Jersey. 1971, the Australian Aboriginal flag is... Okay. And, uh... 1973, an event that the VA has used as an excuse for not processing uh, claims for years. In 1973, on this date, a fire destroys the entire sixth floor of the National Personnel Records Center. I was assured that all my records had been destroyed. Now, I went in in 71, I ETSed in 80. But all the records that were put in in my name in 80 were destroyed in 73. Hadn't figured that one out yet. Okay, 1975, Sao Tome Principe declare independence from Portugal. 1975, excuse me, 1979, Island Nature of Kiribati becomes independent from the UK. 1995, Chinese seismologists successfully predict a 1995 Myanmar-China earthquake reduced the number of casualties to 11. That's how many didn't listen to instructions. Or as I keep being told, uh, following the orders of their betters. Uh, 1998, the Ulster Volunteer Force attacked a house in Ballymoney County, Antrim, Northern Ireland with a petrol bomb. Killed the Quinn brothers. Yeah, for those that are not familiar with the Quinn brothers, three brothers um, who were killed uh, during the Troubles. One man, Garfield Gilmore, is found guilty of murdering the three brothers 15 months after the fact and sentenced to life imprisonment after admitting he had driven three of the men to the house to commit the, the petrol bombing. He named the three alleged killers, but they were never charged due to, uh, well, you know, they, they take our inspectors out to lunch every day, as I was told here, um, in regard to a violation of the law. So we're not going to do anything to them. All right, 2001, the Space Shuttle Program. Space Shuttle Atlantis is launched on mission STS-104, carrying the Quest Joint Airlock to the International Space Station. 2006, the 2006 Lebanon War begins. 2007, Army Apache helicopters engage in airstrikes against armed insurgents in Baghdad, Iraq, where civilians are killed. Footage from the cockpits later leaked to the Internet. 2012, Syrian Civil War. Government forces target the homes of rebels and activists in Tremsa and kill anywhere between 68 and 150 people, depending on who you listen to. 2012, a tank truck explosion kills more than 100 people in Okobi, Nigeria. 2013, six people were killed and 200 injured in a French passenger train derailment in Bretigny, sur orgue Well, all that having been said... You know, we've been talking about um, some of the conspiracies about JFK and RFK and MLK and even the Clintons. 
Now, we talked about the fact that uh, Richard Nixon set up his own intelligence operation called the Plumbers because it was going to plug the leaks coming out of the White House. But uh, he started using them for political operations. They even went to Chappaquiddick to investigate the uh, Ted Kennedy incident. Um, there's a lot of evidence that, in fact, uh, Mary Jo Kopechny was, in fact, pregnant at the time she was killed. Or she drowned because she was hiding on the back seat and he didn't know it. J. Edgar Hoover died March, uh, May 2nd, 1972. That ended the Hoover era at the FBI. Assistant Director and many said Hoover's lover, Clyde Tolson, took over. May 3rd, 1972, Nixon appointed L. Patrick Gray as director. He was a typical government appointee, no FBI experience. But Nixon felt Gray was a person who could be confirmed and controlled. And that's the key. Um, control. Well, Nixon was told that Hoover had kicked the bucket. And he said that CS finally kicked the bucket about time. He always feared Hoover, but he didn't have that anymore. By appointing Gray, he thought he'd have control of what the FBI was doing. And all he was able to get the Gray to stop an ongoing FBI investigation into Watergate, um, he actually convinced Gray it was a CIA operation. Later wished Hoover had been around. When the Senate Watergate hearing started, he made the remark, if Hoover was still alive, this wouldn't have gone this far. Turns out Hoover had files on the members of Congress and was always able to stop whatever he wanted through blackmail. <coughs> well, from uh, the plumbers, let's talk about creep. The Committee for the Re-Election of the President. And uh, as the re-election program got started, the plumbers unit came up with all kinds of ideas of how to help the beleaguered president. They, um, they had a plan to lure people at the Democratic uh, National Convention onto boats with prostitutes on board, and they want to photograph and bug the um, areas where folks went for privacy. Now, these, of course, were illegal tricks, but it's all for a good cause, don't you know? As Nixon said, everybody bugs everybody else. So why not? Well, that's the mentality you had inside the White House at the time. And of course, Nixon was by nature paranoid. But as a friend of mine once said, it's not paranoia when you know they're out to get you. Now, he was almost assured of a landslide victory in the election. But the battles he fought to get where he was had been dirty and always contained a lot of mudslinging. He didn't know how to run an honest campaign at that point in time, and after all, this was his last election, and he was willing to do whatever he had to do to assure not only a huge victory, but a historical landslide. Politically, he was unstoppable at the time. Um, Ed Muskie was front-runner for president of the Democratic Party. Nixon feared running against him. So, uh, 
He produced dirty tricks operations on the Muskie campaign. Involved smearing his wife and making out fake campaign letters that made Muskie look bad. So Muskie withdrew from the campaign, and Senator George McGovern became presidential nominee. Well, Nixon wanted to run against McGovern, who was running in the primaries and had worried about Senator Muskie from Maine. Dirty Tricks team sent out fake letters in the name of Muskie to cause him to drop out of the polls. And Attorney General John Mitchell shut some of the plants down, but others went forward. Several that did move forward were break-in plans in front of an embassy, uh, break-in plans in the George McGovern's campaign headquarters and break-in plans in the Democratic National headquarters in the Watergate uh, complex. And what they were looking for would boggle your mind. Well, on June 17, 1972, CIA agents and some of the Ana Castro Cubans went on to engage in and got caught breaking into the Democratic National Committee during the Nixon administration. Rested on the, the scene were Bernard Baker, a former CIA operative believed to have been involved in the Bay of Pigs operation in 62, James McCord, a former CIA and FBI agent, Virgilio Gonzalez, a Cuban refugee, Eugenio Martinez, an anti-Castro Cuban with strong ties to the CIA, and Frank Sturgis, another spook with strong connections to both the CIA and the anti-Castro activities. They were charged with attempted burglary and attempted interception of telephone and other communications. Also indicted at the time were George uh, G. Gordon Liddy, former FBI agent, and went on to become a radio talk show host, and Ed Howard Hunt, another CIA employee. Well, if you look at the background of um, all these people who broke into the to the uh, Democratic National Committee headquarters, you find connections to the JFK assassination. For example, Bernard Baker, born in Havana, Cuba, dual citizenship in Cuba and the U.S., originally worked for Batista's secret police. He was recruited as an undercover agent for the FBI and did contract work for the CIA. And when Baker was arrested as one of the Watergate burglars and his mugshot was plastered over the media, the peanut gallery is tuning up. Dallas Deputy Seymour Weitzman stated he recognized Baker as one of the men behind the fence flashing Secret Service credentials right after the Kennedy assassination. It seems that law enforcement officers involved in the uh, motorcade had raced up the hill to the fence at the top of the grassy knoll and were sent back down by members of the Secret Service. Interestingly enough, the Secret Service swore they didn't have any agents in that area. Then we got James McCord, born in Oklahoma, career officer of the CIA, involved in the counterintelligence program against Fair Play for Cuba Committee. That's the same organization that Oswald appeared to have been infiltrating and posing as a member of the New Orleans uh, chapter when he was arrested. And then there's Virgilio Gonzalez, born in Cuba and fled to Miami area after Castro took over. He was involved in anti-Castro activity in Miami and was an expert locksmith. And a number of assassination researchers believe he had involvement in the Kennedy assassination. And a few believe he was one of the gunmen in the Dallas in the Daltex building. Eugenio Martinez, 
born in Cuba, moved to Miami when Castro took over, became involved in JM Wave and the anti-Castro movement involving attempts to stage a coup in Cuba. A lot of researchers believe he was involved in the Kennedy assassination was on top of the Deltex building with Gonzalez. In spite of the Warren Commission, a lot of witnesses swear that the Deltex building um, housed um, one or more assassins. Then you got Frank Anthony Sturgis. His original legal name was Frank Fiorini, and he changed his name to Frank Sturgis in North Virginia in 1952. Moved to Miami and got involved with the movement to oppose Batista, the former dictator of Cuba, from attempting to return to power. As a former Marine, he ended up going to Cuba and helping train some of Castro's forces. Ended up becoming... Sorry about that. Peanut gallery sometimes gets a little bit too loud. Anyway, he was a former Marine, ended up going to Cuba and helping train some of Castro's forces. Became a gun runner to obtain weapons. After Castro took control of Cuba, he became director of security intelligence in Castro's Air Force, as well as a the Cuba gambling czar. Many folks believe he was also a contract agent for the CIA, but uh, never been any proof of that. And many assassination researchers believe he was one of the three people photographed near the school book depository on the day of the assassination. They're known as the three tramps in the photograph that was taken. E. Howard Hunt, when he made a deathbed confession, stated on tape Sturgis was part of the assassination. In the meantime, a bunch of small operations started all over again, and it was um, as if there had been a return to the days of the Nixonettes and the Villanova operations. And after the Watergate break-in and the Nixon landslide and the re-election, a lot of hearings were going on regarding Watergate. And it was a much sought-after ticket to sit in on the hearings. Well, then it was Operation Howard. Went on for nine months and got shut down. Uh, there were a number of operations going on to gather intelligence in various places where uh, folks affiliated with the Kennedy assassination uh, seemed to hang out. About three years after his arrest and the Watergate break-in, Frank Sergis told Senate investigators under oath he was a CIA agent who would do anything for the agency, including kill went into a narrative of how to get away with murder in almost a tutorial fashion. And he also stated the FBI had grilled him as a suspect in the Kennedy assassination. Well, of course, the CIA immediately disavowed Sturgis after the Watergate break-in. The problem was there was proof of Sturgis' association with and links to the CIA that went back decades. He'd played major roles in the attempted assassination of Fidel Castro. He also trained other people in assassination techniques on foreign leaders under CIA funding. 
And as I say, he, Howard Hunt, was very clear in his deathbed confession that uh, Frank Sturgis was involved in the Kennedy assassination. And in the, uh, the CIA security index files, there's a lot of information on Frank Sturgis. 2017, the uh, JFK file release had a reference to Frank Sturgis and a CIA memo concerning a book E. Howard Hunt had written. And this document admits of Frank Sturgis' connection to the CIA since he was involved in covert activities that were being funded by the CIA in regard to Cuba. Not only does that particular document show a Frank Sturgis connection to the CIA, it also uh, shows how the CIA was monitoring the contents of books published, and they're still doing that to this day. Now, one caveat that I need to make at this point. The use of the term agent for or employed by the CIA can be interpreted in several different ways. From a strict sense, since the CIA knew they had no actual record of Frank Sturgis of being on the payroll, there wouldn't be a record of that. It might be paid out of black covert funds under a code name of a specific operation, and it was probably paid in cash. But that doesn't mean he wasn't working for the CIA. It merely means there's no official record. And because of the way the CIA had things set up, they could either confirm or deny the existence of any contract or association he had uh, with uh, any given person. Now, there's doubt since Frank Sturgis was caught breaking into the Democratic National Headquarters to suit the CIA to just deny he was employed with or an agent of the CIA. In that uh, 2017 file release, an FBI report stated that a DA informant alleged he was told by Frank Sturgis he was involved in the Kennedy assassination. Now, both the FBI and the DEA investigated the allegation to determine the source wasn't reliable. But that would seem to be a CYA action. Now, there are three sources that reveal uh, connections between Frank Sturgis and the JFK assassination. Marita Lopez stated publicly that only did Sturgis meet with Oswald. She also claimed she drove with Sturgis from Amity, Dallas, about three days before the assassination, in what she thought was a gun-running activity. They had rifles and professional disguises with them. When they got to Dallas, she claims they checked into a hotel and Jack Ruby came to meet with Sturgis. She became so alarmed about what was going on in Dallas, she left the city and took a plane back to Miami. She also had said that years later, Sturgis admitted to her he had fired a shot at President Kennedy in Dallas. Now, Lorenz, uh, Marita um, Lorenz, told New York Daily News and went on several talk shows she had met Oswald in the fall of 63 at an Operation 40 safe house in Miami. She also claimed she had met, met him again before the Kennedy assassination in the house of Orlando Bosch, where Sturgis and a man by the name of Pedro Luis Diaz um, were present. Lorenz also testified before the committee, the Select Committee on Assassinations, and the committee tended to find her accusations and comments unreliable. And, of course, Sturgis himself denied all of her testimony. 
Now, a lot of what took place at the uh, Committee on Assassinations and, of course, the Warren Commission was nothing more than CYA. They wanted to make it all go away so everybody quit looking at the fact that the government had the president shot. Lorenz also testified in the appeal trial that Mark Lane had handled for the slander action brought by E. Howard Hunt against Liberty Lobby when they published an article indicating Hunt was involved in the Kennedy assassination. She claimed she had met Hunt in Dallas two or three days before the assassination and Hunt was, on the, was the paymaster. The verdict in the trial was for Liberty Lobby on the appeal case. Again, it's important to note that Hunt gave a confession right before he died that he was involved in the Kennedy assassination, and he specifically named Sturgis. Now, Marita Lorenz was born in Germany, became a girlfriend of Castro in 1959 in Havana when she'd been introduced to him on her father's boat. She got pregnant, claims Castro drugged her, and she ended up in the U.S. where the CIA recruited her to go back to Cuba and murder Castro by putting poison in his food. She says she went back to Cuba but couldn't go through with the murder. She wrote a book called uh, Marita, One Woman's Extraordinary Tale of Love, Espionage, from Kennedy to, from Castro to Kennedy. Then we've got a copy of a CIA cable. Uh, was released November 9, 2017, concerning Marita Lorenz and Frank Sturgis. Concerning Sturgis visiting Lorenz in New York, beating her up and obtaining sheets of Albanian cryptographic code material. Some researchers believe that parts of Lorenz's accounts was nothing more than a wall of mirrors, as they say in the intelligence business, and might have been put up by Sturgis to create another side tunnel in the rabbit hole to divert attention and resources away from what was really happening. Investigator for the Select Committee on Assassinations, Gaten Fonzie, seemed to have concluded there was actually substance to what Lorenz has said in many of her accounts. Well... So we've got, at the end of the day, we've got three sources that state that uh, Watergate burglar Frank Sturgis was involved in the Kennedy assassination. The testimony, Maria Lorenz, a DA informant, and E. Howard Hunt himself. Now, Hunt was a CIA agent and a writer. He made a confession he was involved in the Kennedy assassination, in which he claims was codenamed the Big Event. And there are substantial accounts he was in Dallas and the paymaster for those involved in the Kennedy assassination. September of 1971, he admitted to forging a State Department cable that indicated Kennedy had personally ordered the assassination of the Golden Diem along with his brother, uh, the Golden Nu, leaders of South Vietnamese, South Vietnam, which happened November 2nd, 1963. Hunt said the reason he forged the cables because Dim was a Catholic and he wanted to raise Catholic voters in the next election. It's now known the murder of Dim and his brother was done by the CIA and the South Vietnamese coup. G. Gordon Liddy was born in Brooklyn and became one of the youngest Bureau of Supervisors for the FBI. Left the FBI and as a lawyer practiced international law. And there's no indication or evidence he had anything to do with or knowledge of the assassination of Kennedy just got caught up in Watergate by becoming involved as an undercover operative for the Nixon White House. And as I said, he went on to become a very popular radio talk show host. Well, it's interesting to note that six out of the seven Watergate burglaries and those involved who were charged and convicted had links to the Kennedy assassination. And that's not all, folks. 
During the Watergate scandal, Nixon tapes that finally came out revealed he approved a plan proposed by H.R. Haldeman to use the CIA to keep the FBI from investigating further into the funding for the Watergate burglary that had come out of Nixon general campaign contributions. Most folks refer to that as the smoking gun that ended Nixon's presidency. Within the hours of Nixon tape recordings that became public, it's obvious Nixon himself was remarking about exposure of something other than just the campaign funds. At one point, he makes the remark, when you get these people, when you get these people in and say, look, the problem is this, that this will open the whole Bay of Pigs thing. And another point, he says, uh, this is a hunt. You will... Uh, We'll uncover a lot of things. You open that scab and there's a hell of a lot of things that we just feel to be very detrimental to have go any further. At another point in the White House tapes, Nixon tells Holloman very bad to have this fellow hunt. Uh, he knows too damn much and he was involved. He happened to know that we happen to know that. And then it gets out that the hold this was all involved in the Cuban thing. It's a fiasco and it's gonna make the FBI and the CIA look bad. It's gonna make Hunt look bad and likely to blow the whole things up. Be very unfortunate for the aim for the country. In H.R. Haldeman's memoir, he states he believed that when Nixon talked about the Bay of Pigs, it was his coded way of referring to the JFK assassination. And after he got arrested, Hunt put pressure on the White House and committed to reelect the president for cash payments to cover his legal fees and family support and expenses. And the smoking gun tape was a conversion a conversation between Dean and Nixon talking about payoffs when Nixon asked how much it would cost. Dean told Nixon it would cost a million dollars or more, and Nixon said, we can get that. And that conversation started out by Dean telling the president there's a cancer growing around the president, if it didn't stop, it ended up killing the president. Well, on the White House tape is also a conversation between Nixon and Dean. That's recorded, and it's public. And it went into uh, a lot of information about um, issues that uh, would open a lot of doors that nobody wanted open. Less than 24 hours after that conversation, $75,000 in cash was given to your Howard Hunt by Nixon White House. December 1972, a plane crash killed Hunt's wife, Dorothy Hunt. She was carrying $10,000 and $100 bills. And just before she got on the plane, she purchased a quarter of a million dollars in flight life insurance payable to eat Howard Hunt. She was also an employee of the CIA. Well, that's just one of the many curious things. Nixon had set up his own CIA inside the White House. That was the plumbers I referred to. And because of the way things were set up, he diminished the power of the CIA. Henry Kissinger was put in charge of a great deal of foreign operations that had previously been handled by the CIA. Nixon actually did not want daily in-person briefings from this agency and delegated Kissingers to conduct the daily briefings. Hunt, of course, was former CIA. He was retired working for the Mullen Public Relations Firm. Um, that could have been and likely very, very well was a CIA cover story. And Nixon knew this. Nixon's remarks on tape after Watergate uh, unraveled what was uh, a previously uh, close to hell secret that Hunt knew too much. Of course, about what was anybody's guess. There were many rumors that Hunt had the goods on Nixon, which implicated him in the Kennedy assassination. He was blackmailing 
Nixon after his arrest. Now, remember, Nixon was one of the presidents, or soon-to-be presidents, who were in Dallas on that day. There's a photograph of him standing in front of the book depository. Now, this has never been proven. What can now be said and is known is that Richard Nixon, his VP, had ordered a team to set up uh, to assassinate Castro. And there's substantial evidence this team became operational and was used to assassinate Kennedy. Hunt's relationship with Howard Hughes is also uh, a puzzle to many people. Since Lawrence O'Brien was the chairman of the Democratic National Committee and been a lobbyist for Hughes, Nixon may have known of a Hunt's connection to Hughes. Reference to it recently came up on a released CIA memo from November 17th, um, 2017. Now, after retiring from the CIA, Hunt went to work for the Mullen Company, and that's, as I said, a public relations firm in Washington thought to have been a place for which CIA could hide agents in place for as a cover. And there's reference in this uh, memo of Hunt obtaining wiretapping devices for a Howard Hughes' job. Also reference to Hunt hiring a countermeasures sweep service to sweep the offices of the committee to reelect the president. And it's very important to understand this link. Nixon had connections to Howard Hughes, and both Nixon and Hughes had connections to Hunt and Lawrence O'Brien, and Hunt had connections to the Mullen Agency. So that meant Nixon had an indirect connection to the Mullen Agency. Now, Nixon had contra- contacted Hughes while he was VP to set up this covert team to assassinate Castro. And Hughes passed the task on to Robert Mayhew, uh, his uh, very close assistant, alter ego, many said. But Hughes knew all the details. Mayhew contacted my boss, Jim Giancana, who then got elements within the CIA uh, from my boss, Santos Traficanti, Johnny Rosselli, and Carlos Marcello involved. The team set up a training team of anti-Castro Cubans who practiced assassination techniques to kill Castro in Mexico. There's evidence the team was set up to assassinate Castro ended up being used to assassinate Kennedy. The chairman of the Democratic National Committee was Lawrence O'Brien. He was a former Washington lobbyist for Howard Hughes. And Nixon was worried that O'Brien found out about what he did as VP from Hughes. And Hunt worked for the Mullen Agency before going to work at the White House. Been involved in wiretapping for Howard Hughes and was also likely hired a countermeasure sweep team to sweep for bugs at Richard Nixon's committee to reelect the president. Now, Nixon knew all about these other operations of Hunt, and he was fearful this information blew him onto water uh, in his attempt to win an election if it became public. And he also thought that maybe the countermeasure sweep job of the committee to reelect the president might have actually been a cover to plant a bug inside the creep offices since. Hunt was known to be involved in wiretaping for, for Hughes. And with all this uh, knowledge, it's no wonder Nixon was willing to spend a million dollars and to keep Hunt quiet. Another recently, recently released CIA document from the 2017 file release was a memo entitled Hunt's Life as a Spy. The document showed that Hunt uh, used the cover name of Edward Joseph Warren had disguised paraphernalia from the CIA. Many researchers and writers have indicated that Dorothy Hunt may have been murdered in 74 and that plane crash wasn't an accident. Charles Colson stated in an interview with Time magazine that was published in 1974, he felt as if they killed Dorothy Hunt. Of course, that was never proven. 
But as we have seen with the Prince Hunter uh, debacle, that um, the DOJ can be easily hamstrung for political purposes. It's important to note that Howard Hunt, um, CIA agent Watergate conspirator, gave a confession that he was involved in the Kennedy assassination. And it's rather curious Nixon himself mentioned Hunt in the White House tapes in regard to the Bay of Pigs. And then he ended up getting involved in a Watergate break-in. And he blackmailed the White House for money. And, and uh, H.R. Haldeman stated in his memoirs he thought Nixon was talking about the Kennedy assassination in code when he referred to the Bay of Pigs. Many researchers now believe that the reason for the break-in at the Democratic National Committee really was to obtain some secret files <coughs> that the committee had concerning various covert operations that went on in the 50s and 60s that could have ended up leading to the, the truth about the assassination. After all these covert operations, especially the Bay of Pigs operation, were hacked when Nixon was VP and he was deeply involved in it back then. He was uh, the point man for uh, President Eisenhower. Another theory that's never been really proven is that Watergate from the get-go was a setup. The members wanted to get caught. The whole thing was done to blackmail the White House and obtain large amounts of money to fund another anti-Castro effort to remove him from power. And there was another JFK document released on November 9, 2017, which was a CIA memorandum about the CIA's contract with Immigration and Naturalization Service on behalf of my boss, Johnny Rosselli. And that document confirmed that the association of Robert Mayhew with Rosselli and brings CIA agent William King Harvey into the loop. Another revelation that came out of the 2017 file release is a report that uh, as evidence that Watergate was the setup and a stage break-in, it was going to be used to put a stop to Richard Nixon's plumber activities. Now, another revelation worth noting is that the Howard Hughes went to uh, the person Howard Hughes went to to set up the assassination team for to assassinate Castro was a former FBI agent and CIA agent. Document, uh, a CA document uh, confirming this was released in the uh, file release of October 17, 2017. Another document by the CIA concerning a memo on the pros and cons of the Robert Mayhew case before a congressional committee is interesting in that it proves a number of things. It proves that Mayhew worked for the CIA. It proves the CIA is considering the option of either informing that Mayhew worked for the CIA or denying it. That is, the CIA was in the process of either telling the truth or lying, and they most often opt for lying. Since they've been weighing the pros and cons of what to do, a reasonable man would tend to think that they have lied in the past about such things. It also shows that agents are set up under plausible deniability. That is, the CIA can admit or deny a specific person was or was not an agent of the CIA to suit their purposes. And there are a number of CIA independent agents that are paid out of cash disbursements through their black budget that is tracked with a cryptonym. Only a few people in the CIA would know um, what the cryptonym might be. It avoids any paper trail of payments being made. And another document released in the uh, 
2017 file release uh, was the CIA was actually using Mayhew for various covert operations. And some people wonder why Richard Nixon was so paranoid. He was dealing with spooks who had been almost impossible to figure out uh, who was doing what to who and why they were doing it. He certainly didn't want to run for re-election and end up getting falsely pinned down in a manner that made people think he might have been involved in the Kennedy assassination. The fact is, he was in Dallas that morning. There's conflicting accounts in public files on him stating what he knew about the, or heard about the Kennedy assassination. Fact is, with a lot of assassination researchers, he was a suspect based on the fact his chances of becoming president weren't that great without the death of both John Kennedy and Robert Kennedy. And Nixon knew this. He wanted to, to achieve a historical landslide. And he wasn't going to let uh, rumors happen, so he was attempting to discover exactly what his political opponents knew and didn't know. If you consider the fact during the primaries in the 2016 presidential election, Trump made the remark that Ted Cruz's father was in a picture with Lee Harvey Oswald in New Orleans. Well, this remark in and of itself opened up a theory that Cruz's father did have something to do with it and continues to this day. You have to remember, truth is quite often stranger than fiction, and that seems to apply to almost every aspect of the Kennedy assassination. After Kennedy's assassination, talk about the elimination of the oil depletion allowance, which was basically a 25% tax break stopped, and nothing was ever done to plug this particular loophole. Kennedy was going to stop it. Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson, was all for it. The entire Watergate affair boiled down to one piece of tape that was placed on a door. And because the door was taped, the Watergate murders inside the Democratic National Headquarters got caught. Nixon ended up winning his second term for president by a landslide. But in the end, the Watergate debacle cost him the presidency and ended up resigning in disgrace. Now, once Nixon became president, he downgraded the importance of the CIA. Henry Kissinger ran intelligence for the administration. And immediately after his re-election, he called CIA Director Richard Helms to Camp David and fired him. Nixon was probably likely uh, tired of trying to figure out who was doing what to who and why. But that, uh, at that time, he didn't realize Watergate was about to be unraveled in a way that would end up costing him the presidency. After the Kennedy assassination, the printing of silver certificates of the U.S. government stopped and went back to the scam in which the government would print money, give it to the private banking system, the Federal Reserve, who then loaned it to the U.S. government and charged an interest rate. I mean, it's, if you got control of that money, it's an unbelievable uh, money machine. And you also have to remember, one thing that's rarely talked about is the fact that the media is under control. The uh, Operation Mockingbird was set up to um, control the media. Now, it's very difficult to get anybody in the news media interested in anything about the Kennedy assassination unless it supports the magic bullet lone nut gunman theory. In actuality, six corporations own 90% of the news media in the U.S. And corporate media either seems to love to run either Oswald did it and did it as a lone nut or come up with bizarre theories that make people want to believe that Oswald did it. 
GE owns Comcast, NBC, Universal Pictures, and Focus Features News Corp., which owns Fox News, Wall Street Journal, and New York Post. Disney, uh, at the time I wrote all this, owned ABC, ESPN, Pixar, Miramax, and Marvel Studios. Viacom owns MTV, Nick Jr., BET, CMT, and Paramount Pictures. Time Warner owns CNN, HBO, Time and Warner Brothers. CBS owns Showtime and Sony Channel, NFL.com, Jeopardy, and 60 Minutes. So if you... If you CBS, you join a CNN to out Fox uh, corporate and media. It's as simple as ABC. Six simple calls plus 10% give you 100% control. And that's the CIA program called Operation Mockingbird, a program you should know about, which the CIA started in the 1950s to control and influence the news media. Well, you know, one thing that never did get much exposure was the E. Howard Hunt confessions. Now I've made it clear that he was a CIA intelligence officer. He wrote spy novels and one of the Watergate burglars arrested for the breaking and wiretapping during Nixon's Watergate scandal. In the notes on an audio tape created in 2004, Hunt claims he was involved in the Kennedy assassination as what he termed a bench warmer and claimed the Kennedy assassination was termed a big event. He also claimed uh, Specifically, a number of people were involved in the assassination. Frank Sturgis, who um, was another Watergate burglar involved in Castro operations. David Morales, who was CIA's chief of operations at J.M. Wave in Miami. J.M. Wave was an assassination program involved in the overthrow of Castro. David Phillips, who worked for the CIA in Mexico during the time Oswald allegedly made his trip to Mexico City just before the assassination. It's now been shown it was an imposter who went. Antonio Viciana, leader of what was known as Alpha 66, who was a CIA-backed on a Castro operation. William Harvey, who was a CIA operative and ran executive action programs. Executive action was a code name for assassination programs. Cord Meyer was a CIA officer whose ex-wife, Mary Meyer, had a, an affair with John Kennedy. She was murdered um, when she did her own investigation. There were French gunmen on the grassy knoll. And then I'm going to be King Johnson was a vice president and became president. Well, in 1976, the House of Representatives approved a special committee titled House Select Committee on Assassination to investigate the assassination of John Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, and Martin Luther King. It was formed a decade and a half after the Warren Commission said, Low nut gunman. An attorney by the name of Mark Lane was instrumental in the creation of the House Select Committee on Assassinations. He'd gone to his own congressman and got him to resign a petition for its creation. He spent a lot of time and effort getting more than 100 congressmen to sign a petition for the creation of this committee. 1976, the House of Representatives voted 280 to 65 to create the committee. Now, Lane had actually been hired by Oswald's mother to defend her son in front of the Warren Commission. Lane wanted to set in on and cross-examine witnesses in all the Warren Commission hearings, but his was refused permission. They did let him testify, which was basically a, a token gesture. And he was under investigation and surveillance and claimed to have had his phones tapped by the FBI. 
he had to be a subversive if he didn't believe uh, what, what the um, Warren Committee had to say. And one of the November 17, 2017 documents, the FBI released contents of a speech he'd given in Europe in which Lane claims he was under surveillance and wiretap by the FBI. Another document in the JFK files released in 2017 uh, was an internal FBI investigation that implies Lane is a communist and calls him a sexual degenerate. That was a favorite ploy of the FBI. They used that against Martin Luther King as well. Well, using the term sexual degener degenerate conducting communist baiting propaganda on an individual is a standard operating procedure that was uh, actually put into effect by J. Edgar Hoover himself. It was basically a smear campaign. Worth noting, it was common knowledge in Washington, D.C. that Hoover himself was a closet homosexual. He was known for wearing a red dress. He was having an affair with Clyde Tolson. In fact, they lived together quite often. Hoover developed blackmail files on presidents, members of Congress, anybody else in Washington that was of any importance. Eventually, Mark Lane became one of them. It's a shame Lane isn't alive today to see the documents that were released. They weren't released until after his death. If he were alive, he would in all likelihood sued the federal government. When reviewing the batch of new documents released in November of 2017, the file of the FBI file contained information on Mark Lane and the monitoring of his activities and the writing of his book, Rush to Judgment. Not only had the FBI been monitoring the development of the book, they appear to have monitored Lane around the country and around the world when he gave speeches. Well, it's interesting to note that um, a lot of information that came to light in 2017 was done very low-key, so nobody would be aware of just how over-the-line the government went in trying to uh, support the Warren Commission. Well, on that note, we're coming into today's show. We'll be back tomorrow. Once again, we'll be talking about more bizarreness. Until then, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.